over nonsense instead of fighting for the mission of God, which is to bring all things that are in heaven to make earth like those things, to bring heaven to earth, to have His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when you look, when you look at what Jesus, who was the ideal version of this, like Jesus, Jesus was heaven coming to earth. And wherever Jesus went, heaven ruled, heaven conquered. That's why the blind saw. That's why the lame walked. That's why those who were hurting found Jesus and found comfort. And so Jesus made promises about the kingdom that reflected His life. And so wherever Jesus went, It's like this little bitty pinhole of heaven infiltrating earth. And that light cured people. It fed people. It rescued people. It conquered death. And that's what we are called to do. What's crazy though, is you never see Jesus coming to earth to establish a more orderly worship service. Actually, the people that Jesus frustrated the most were the people who had some traditions. And they were traditions based on Scripture, on the law. There's, there's a um, time in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, says at that time Jesus went through the grain, grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. Now, do not work on the Sabbath. This is, very, this is still very important to the Jewish faith. Don't work on the Sabbath. In certain hotels in, in buildings in New York City, they have Sabbath elevators. It's an elevator. One of the elevators will, um, on, on the Sabbath will open up, and you'll get in, and it'll go to every floor and open. And then it'll go to every floor and open back down. It just goes up and down all day, going to every floor, opening because you might trip over you might break a law if you push a button on the sabbath and there's reasons for this it's um and it's reasons that um elude me because i don't know much about how that button works i just know you push it and the magic happens but apparently like there's some there's some things that are disconnect and connect in that process and that would be building something so they built a connection, and they don't want to push that button. So they have a, they have a loophole. They, the, 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 the door opens, it closes, it goes up, it goes down. They don't want to do work on the Sabbath. So picking a, a head of grain off of a stalk and eating it is work. Especially to the people who have been following Jesus around, just waiting for Him to mess up. Turns out they're there when this happens. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to Him, Look! Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. They tattletale. Which, as a kid, I thought was something that's bad, but now as a parent, I think, oh, this is fantastic. You don't want them to do it when they're young, but when they get older and they're teenagers, I want my children to tell on each other. Don't tell them I said that. And he, he answered. Jesus says, they said, look, look, look what they're doing. Jesus says, haven't you read what David did? That's the same answer Jesus would give to people who are like, I don't like this song. Haven't you read what David said? Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? 
He entered the house of God and he, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath day in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. Now, Jesus here is not saying the law is bad. Jesus is not saying um, that particular law that they're breaking is like, it's, it's void. He's, he's not saying um, that everyone could have eaten from the bread in the holy temple like David. But Jesus is making a very important point that people, and particularly Jesus and his mission, is greater than anything. Than anything. It's greater than the, the law. It's greater than the, what the, how the Pharisees interpreted the law. It's greater than, than anything. And he's saying, you guys, you guys have made the Sabbath rule over people. And that's not what it was intended to do. He said, if you had known that these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Okay, what he's talking about here, he's referencing um, a lot of different uh, prophets, but particularly Isaiah 1, in which Isaiah is condemning Israel, and he's saying you're worse than Sodom, you're worse than Gomorrah, you're worse than other towns we haven't heard of, they're just the worst, you, you people are the worst, you do the worst things, you have blood on your hands, you're, you're awful people. Like, I'm, I'm, building a, I'm building a top ten list of the worst people, and you're the worst people. And then at the very end, he says, he says the craziest thing. He says, your sacrifices, they're meaningless to me. Your prayers are, are just noise to me. Your special days, they're, they're, I don't like them. This, these people aren't heathens. They're church folk that Isaiah is frustrated with. They're people that, that, that go and offer sacrifices. They say their prayers. They keep the Sabbath. But Isaiah says, for God, I desire mercy. Not sacrifice. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. Which is funny, because the uh, Old Testament never says we could have a synagogue. Okay, just funny to me and Jenny. And a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They want. Got him. You got a man here with a shriveled hand. Is it lawful to heal on a Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Will you not? If, if, if you just walk in and a sheep falls, you just pick it up. Is that considered work? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? The implication here is a lot. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. 
But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. See, I don't think sometimes we get the enormity of this particular instance. One just like it happens in John 9, a man born blind is sitting there on the side of, as Jesus enters the temple and he, he heals him, but he doesn't just heal him, he, 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 puts, he puts mud on his eyes. Like he, he, does, he does things that would be considered work. And the, the, uh, the man is, is now healed and the Pharisees are like, well, what? hold on a second, he did this on the Sabbath. And from there on, they were, they were very frustrated with Jesus. And Jesus says the, the, that man is not made for the Sabbath. But Sabbath is made for the man. Sabbath is something that is good. That is worthwhile. If you don't, if you don't rest occasionally, you're going to wear yourself out. And when you wear yourself out, you will be a worse husband, a worse wife, a worse parent, a worse child. You will be worse at what you hope to be good at. You need holy time to breathe. But it, is, it was made as a thing to give man. Can you imagine whenever the, whenever the Sabbath was first put in? Remember the Ten Commandments? He gets down to uh, commandment. God says, commandment number four. He doesn't say that, but... He's giving them laws and he says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Can you imagine what a day off sounds like to people who have been slaves for hundreds of years? The Sabbath wasn't as much of a command as it was a grace. I mean, it is a command, but it's also a grace. It was a gift to the people. And it is still a gift to us to take time to know that we don't have to do to be valuable. And that's, that's helpful. Sabbath isn't bad, but it makes a horrible God. It not, it's not worthy of our worship. Now you may say, Benjamin, I don't even struggle with that. And that's why this verse doesn't hit us too hard because we don't really honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. But we honor a ton of other things and keep them holy. Things that aren't bad, but they're not God's. But we will defend those things often harder than we defend God Himself. That we worship God Himself. I am a preacher in a church of Christ. I like the church of Christ. Every time I, I, pre, I preach in other groups, I preach for other groups, and I'll go to a Baptist church and I'll preach for them. I'll t tell them about Jesus as much as they want to or talk to them about a thing and they'll say, or I'll preach a funeral in a Baptist church or a Methodist church and they'll say, you know what, you would make a really good fill in the blank of the name on the sign. And I always say, you don't know me very well. 
But what they're saying is, because whenever I preach somewhere, I just preach about Jesus. I'm not going to get in and get into doctrine and, uh, and, and this. Everyone needs to know more about Jesus more regularly. And as, we, as I go and preach these places, they just like, oh, well, yeah, we like Jesus. But if you're asking me to be a Baptist, I'm not going to be great at it. If you're asking me to be a Methodist, I'm not going to be great at that. I grew up in the Church of Christ, I'd make a horrible assembly of God person. <laughs> but one of the things I love about the Church of Christ is that when the elders get together and meet, they don't then have to say, well, we've got to consult the governing body. If we read in Bible in the Bible and we say, well, that's, this tradition really isn't helping further the kingdom of God, we get to change it. John started, uh, do, he does the meet and greet. Greet your neighbor. Some people love that because they walked in here at, at 10.33 and sat down, pulled their mask off their face and stared straight ahead. And they didn't get to meet anybody. Some of you are like, oh, I can't believe I've got to talk to another person. And that's okay. You're just, a, you're just you're a normal human being who's an introvert. Becky's crowd surfing <laughs> to shake hands with people. And that's fine too. There's not a right or a wrong way to feel about this. It's just different. People are different. But... That gives people who've come in late a, re a way to connect with somebody. And more importantly, it gives us a, reason, a way to connect with people. You're trapped. We get to talk to you. We haven't, we haven't said a closing prayer. You don't get to go. You've already come in. You've already sat down. We get to find you and talk to you. It's strategic. We like it. You might not like it. We don't care. It's good for us to get to meet people and to get to talk to people who we might not get because some of you are like drag racers on the closing amen. It's like the, the red and the, you know, the yellow, 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 green. In Jesus' name we pray, amen! And then you're gone. <laughs> and we want to say hi to you. Get out of here. But you put something like that in, you say, well, we're going to do something different. And people go, Ugh! they said the D word in church. We don't say different. We don't say new. We say same. And the old ways worked good. Yeah, they did. But can we try something else? At this point, some of you are like, what's he going to suggest? I've got nothing. I've got nothing, but I do know that if you want a legitimate relationship with God, you're going to have to abandon the gods of tradition. Not abandon tradition. Do you hear me? I'm not saying abandon tradition. Tradition's fine. It's the way we do things. But it's a horrible God. And it's not worth your fight. Now, and there, you know, when I, was, when I was younger, there were times I just wanted to change things for change's sake. That that's, it sounds exhausting. 
There's no point in that. Because then you're worshiping change. Just as much as you're worshiping tradition. And that God, God's mission is not for us to have like the perfectly constructed worship service. God's mission is for us to go out from this worship service and live as the kingdom of God on Monday through Saturday. And this, this moment can be a strength for that. It can be a celebration of that. It could be either. But when Jesus, Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath and breaks the law, breaks their tradition, breaks their understanding, he, what He's saying is what's most important is the people. And if you think about it, Jesus Himself left what was comfortable to be made uncomfortable so that Jesus could reach us. So that Jesus could chase us. He left the throne of heaven and became a child. Became a man. Died a death. Death on a cross. Death of a criminal. And conquered death. Jesus did what Jesus did not want to do. Father, if it be Your will, make this cup pass from me. I will. But Jesus knew that whatever God's will was, whatever God needed from Him, whatever God was asking of Him, Jesus was going to walk straight and do it. He wasn't going to run from it. Because He didn't worship His comfort. He worshiped His God. And when we worship our comfort, we can't worship God because guess who determines our comfort? We do. Your past does. I'm not comfortable with this. That's not our goal. If you, if, if you want to be comfortable, join a country club. But if, if you want to be pushed and and shaped and changed and caught and perplexed. If, if, if you want newness of life that Jesus offers, if you want to be challenged by Jesus of Nazareth and the King who sits on the throne, if you want to be, if you want to be taken to task on your comfort. Now at this point, no one has said, I would like that. But Jesus will do it. Because Jesus did it Himself. Marched straight to the cross. Didn't argue His case in front of Pilate. What you're comfortable with, it should not be your God. Don't turn it golden. Now this doesn't mean we're going to just make every change in the book. Or any. But we're not going to say, um, we're not going to say that those things are worth fighting for anymore. Now, you like something? Speak up. Say you like it. I would rather I'd rather stay the way we did it. Okay. I like hearing from that you. Elders like hearing from you. But those aren't our gods, guys. Um, some of you still say the prayer like this, but it's, uh, and I did too when I was a 
young, but I don't ever get to do the offering prayer, but uh, we would get up and we would say, those of you who grew up Hardline Church of Christ, some of you, if you didn't grow up Church of Christ, I'm sorry, this isn't going to be funny to you, um, but, uh, but separate and apart from the communion is the offering. It's two measures of magnitude. Separate and apart. So if those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, we do communion every Sunday and we do offering every Sunday because um, we have to buy the grape juice. Uh, our grape juice bill is bigger than most churches. It's just the way it is. And you, so we'd have the, we'd have the, we'd have the uh, bread and then the cup. Um, heaven forbid that get, sh- that get changed. I heard of one church where they serve the cup first. And there was such an outcry that the guy who made the mistake got up and apologized Sunday night. Like, after the sermon, like, came forward, repented. That's, but we take those things very seriously. you got to get in order. And then, and then communion. Communion is not part of, um, of the offering is not part of the communion. So we have to, we have to kind of put a period on it, and then move on. Although it's the same men passing the same plates, making the same... We get it. It's separate. It's separate and... Not just separate. We couldn't just say separate. We couldn't just say separate. It's separate from the thing. We couldn't say, apart from the communion, we're going to take an offering. And there's probably a rift whenever we first started debating it. Whether What, what are we going to say? Should we say separate? Or should we say apart? And some, some brilliant man said, you know what, guys, I have an idea. What if we said both? One of the stupid guys was like, yes, separate or apart. Like, no, Phil, separate and apart. We've got to do both, separate and apart. But then no one ever gets up after that. The song leader doesn't get back up and go, guys, listen, separate and apart from the offering. We're about to have a song. And then whenever I get up to preach, I don't say separate and apart from the song. I'm going to have a sermon. Please don't sing or stand while I do this. Definitely don't clap. But we have a way of doing things, and that way of doing things is fine. We're just used to it. But we shouldn't worship it. So you need to catch yourself, not just because, not just because like, it, it's unhealthy for you, but it's unhealthy for your worship of God if worship of God is dependent on me worshiping the way exactly the way I've, I've always wanted to. Of things going exactly according to plan. You remember three weeks ago, whenever um, we were brazen enough to get a couple of West Falls to pull the wagon? And we weren't even, we, John started singing like the first song and not Jesus Loves Me, and they just pulled it straight in front of the communion table. And if they wouldn't have, they would have just ended up in Saratoga somewhere. But we read, we do redirected them and we weren't singing the right song for that and how what how are we supposed to even give our groceries in the wagon if we're not singing Jesus loves me but what's crazy is you can when that happens you can feel you can feel the room get heavier because people's back muscles and other muscles are tightening up just tensing like oh this is okay you you're not here to be comfortable, people. You're not here to be made, to, to be, uh, we're not your concierge. 
We're worshiping God, and God calls us to something different. God calls us to something, uh, something new about ourselves. That's why you are going to always be changing because Jesus changed for you. That's why you're always going to be trying to go like challenge yourself more and more because Jesus challenged himself for you. Jesus sits on the throne and we follow that king. And so now we can't say, well, it's time for me to get comfortable. I've gotten older. It's time for me to settle down in my Christianity. Really? Bobby Goodwin just had, um, they took his heart out of his body. And then he came back to church. I don't know how surgeries work, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Then he came back to church. Started passing stuff out. You know why Bobby came back to church? He's got a job to do. He had something to do. And he didn't trust Charlie to do it the whole time. <laughs> but Charlie did a great job in his absence. But that is, that Bobby had a job. Got to come back. Got to pass out things. Who's going to get their cards if Bobby doesn't pass them out? We, we can sit in these comfortable chairs and get comfortable with our roles. And then whenever things don't go our way, then we really start seeing who our God is. We really start seeing who we worship. And if we worship our own patterns, our own preferences, then there's no room on that altar for God. There's no room on that throne for God. So when you get frustrated, and here's what, here's what you're going to do, and then we'll end the sermon on this. When you get frustrated, and you're like, I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to take yourself to the throne room of heaven. Um, they've kind of given us this image in Revelation there's, uh, there's these four living creatures. They're all worshiping God. There's 12 elders around the four living creatures. They're all, um, they're all praising God. Then beyond that, there's 144,000 people from Israel, 12,000 from every tribe. They're all worshiping God. Um, beyond that, there's a multitude that nobody can count from every language, every tribe, every people, every, every place. They're all worshiping God. I want you to show up. I want you to kind of meander through. The, the, the nations and tribes say hello to all the people. Excuse me. Make your way to um, the, uh, make your way through the 144,000. Maybe you hit the tribe of Judah, the lucky one. You're, you're going to get through there and like, hey, Judah, that's nice to see you. You want the 12 elders, say, excuse me, 12 elders. Walk past one of the four living creatures. You don't know what that thing is, but you're walking by it. Get to, the, get to the throne of God and get on your knees and say, God, you are holy and you're all powerful and you are great and we clapped this morning. And see how hollow your complaint feels at the throne of God where multitudes and multitudes are just worshiping. How pathetic your God is in the sight of the one on the throne. That's a, I'm not saying that sarcastically. I do that. Like, whenever I'm frustrated by a thing, and I, I'm, I'm deep-rooted Church of Christ. I get frustrated by things. When I get frustrated by a thing, I think, all right, is this worthy of the throne of God? If it's not, I need to let it go. I don't let it go immediately. But if it's not, I need to let it go. So, 
Do you need the throne of God this morning? Whether your week's been impossibly difficult and you just need the prayers of the church or you've never given your life to the one who truly is God. You've been serving this other God, this self-God, this tradition God, this, this God of comfort, and you're ready, tough enough to follow the God of change. Please come forward this morning while we stand and while we sing.